Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have great guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Dr. George Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. actually replaced both of my knees in 2006. Always look forward to getting his comments about what's happening in medicine, health care, and the economy. And former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is August the 5th, and on this day in 1861, President Lincoln imposed the first federal income tax by signing the Revenue Act, strapped for cash with which to pursue the Civil War. Lincoln and Congress agreed to impose a 3% tax on annual incomes over $800. As early as March 1861, I should say, uh, Lincoln had begun to take stock of the federal government's ability to wage war against the South. He sent letters to cabinet members Edward Bates, Gideon Wells, and Salmon Chase requesting their opinions as to whether or not the president had the constitutional authority to collect such duties. According to documents housed and interpreted by the Library of Congress, Lincoln was particularly concerned about maintaining federal authority over collecting revenue from ports along the southeastern seaboard, which he worried might fall into the hands of the Confederacy. Revenue Act's language was broadly written to define income as gain derived from any kind of property or from any professional trade, employment, or vocation carried on in the United States or elsewhere or from any source whatsoever. According to the U.S. Uh, Treasury Department, the comparable minimum taxable income in 2003 after adjustments for inflation would have been about approximately $16,000. Congress repealed Lincoln's tax law in 1871, but in 1909-09, it passed the 16th Amendment, which set into place the federal income tax system we use today. Congress ratified the 16th Amendment in 1913. It was only going to be a small amount of tax. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How things are... At one point, they actually had to reduce the tax because between state and federal taxes, it was more than the income that one might have earned. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, the government has just exploded beyond any means of comprehension. It's a shame. Well, I found this from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. You may know Stephen Moore. He's terrific, great economist. So this committee that he's put together, they publish a daily newsletter. If you get a chance to get on the list, it's, it's pretty informative. Well, here's the concept. He said this is the COVID-19 public manipulation model. Uh, first, you uh, have, have a new variant. Then you see a surge in cases. Once you have a surge in cases, then there's lockdowns, masks, and other further restrictions. Then you get a vaccination or a, vaccination or a booster. Then uh, there's a slight reopen. And then, of course, a new variant comes out. This, I think, is actually the model we'll probably see uh, up until the elections in 2022. I think what will happen is there'll be this onerous, terrible new v variant that will be so uh, virulent and uh, contagious that, uh, again, will be in a lockdown. People will have to have emergency me methods to vote. There'll be mail-in ballots and all the things that we went through before, emergency measures. Hopefully, laws will be in place to prevent that. But uh, 
quite frankly, this is how I see this hope happening. Unless the people stand up and say, hey, no mas, we're not going to do this anymore. Uh, we're going to take uh, our own personal uh, care in, in terms of our health, the neighbor's health, and in terms of our family's health. And we don't need the government telling us what to do. They're way out of their lane when they do that. It's unconstitutional in my opinion. So during a press conference on Wednesday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis slammed President Joe Biden over his handling of the continually growing crisis at the southern border. He said, why don't you do your job? Why don't you get this border secured? And until you do that, I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. Thank you, said DeSantis. It's great. In the same press conference, DeSantis also slammed Biden's hypocritical stance on not requiring voter ID, but is supporting the requirement of having a sh to show a medical document to live a normal life. So his vision is, just like in New York City, restaurants should ban young kids from being able to go, to, uh, go in because they're not eligible for vaccination. And law-abiding citizens have to procure proof of their medical records just to go to a gym or attend an event or just to participate in everyday society, said DeSantis. He wants that. Uh, but yet, if you want to vote, he thinks it's too much of a burden to show a picture ID when you're voting. So no more voter ID, but we have to show your medical papers just to be able to live in an everyday life. Give me a break, he said. I think I just really like DeSantis. And so I think the question is, we can either have a free society or we can have a biomedical security state. And I can tell you in Florida, we're going to have a free state. People are going to be free to choose to make their own decisions about themselves and about their families, DeSantis included. Since February, historic numbers of migrants have crossed the United States border. Uh, and 188,829 people were apprehended by Customs and Border Officers, according to the CBP data. So far this year, 1,119,204 people have been apprehended for surpassing the spike seen in 2019, with a total of 977,509 people having been apprehended during the entire year. The comment comes after Biden on Tuesday addressed DeSantis' ban on mask mandates in his state as his hospitalizations in Florida rise to surpass historic levels. Look, we need leadership from everyone. If some governors aren't going to do the right thing to beat this pandemic, then they should allow business and universities who want to do the right thing to be able to do it, Biden said, according to the Miami Herald. I say to these governors, please help. But if, you don't, if you're not going to help, at least get out of the way of the people who are trying to do the right thing. Use your power to save lives. No, Governor DeSantis, I think, uh, <laughs> I think uh, President Biden uh, doesn't know what he's talking about. And, and quite frankly, the leadership you're providing and giving us all our abilities to make our own decisions uh, are sustaining those abilities. Those are rights given to us by God. Uh, quite frankly, just very grateful for your leadership. So the Food and Drug Administration claims to follow the science, so why is it attacking ivermectin, a medication it certified in 1996? Earlier this year, the agency put out a special warning that you should use ivermectin to treat or prevent COVID-19. You should not use it, I should say. The FDA's statement included words and phrases such as serious harm, hospitalized, dangerous, very dangerous, seizures, coma and death, and highly toxic. Any reader would think the FDA was warning about poison pills. In fact, the drug in FDA approved as a safe and effective antiparasitic. Ivermectin was developed and marketed by Merck, uh, while one of, the, uh, one of us uh, worked three, there three years ago. William Campbell and Satoshi Omura won the 2015 Nobel Prize for Physiology of Medicine 
for discovering and developing, developing ivermectin, which Mr. Campbell and Associates modified to create ivermectin. Ivermectin is one of the uh, on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. Merck has donated 4 billion doses to prevent river blindness and other diseases in Africa and other places where parasites are common. A group of 10 doctors who call themselves the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance has said ivermectin is not only safe and low-cost and widely available drugs in the history of medicine. Amazing. But, uh, of course, <clears throat> Fauci now is promoting a new pill. Instead of inexpensive hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, he's now coming out with a new pill that is uh, being developed that is going to be very costly. Pretty much does the same thing. What is going on? First of all, can you imagine saying these things about ivermectin and saying that it's going to be deadly and poisonous and all kinds of things? The reason they're doing it, in my opinion, is because if, they, if there is a reasonable uh, therapeutic to deal with COVID-19, then, of course, we're not in a state of emergency, and therefore the emergency use of the vaccine would be uh, eliminated. Just my opinion. Well, uh, Broward County Schools on August 3rd again changed course on whether to comply or to defy an executive order by Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, which prohibited schools from imposing mask mandates on students. In written statements to the uh, Epic Times, the school board had not changed its policy but paused it, trying to save a little face there. In light of the governor's executive order, the district is awaiting further guidance from rendering a decision on the mask mandate for the upcoming year. At this time, the district faces a covering policy, which requires us to use masks in district schools and facilities remain in place. The school board plans to discuss next steps at a special meeting on August 10th. Dr. Vicki Cartwright, Interim Superintendent of Broward County Schools, is looking into the executive order. The school board is reviewing information and looking for language from our executive rules as a result of the governor's executive order. On July the 30th, the governor signed an executive order that protects parents' right to make decisions regarding the mask, masking of their children as a means to protect them from COVID-19. A month earlier, he signed a bill that protected the parents' fundamental right to make decisions for the upbringing, education, health care, and mental health of their minor children. So basically, he's being extremely consistent. Parents, parents can still ask their kids to mask up. They can say, hey, uh, send their, their child to a school with a mask. So he's not prohibiting masks. He's simply saying it's the parents' decision. It's not the uh, school district. School district is sick of it because the governor is saying, well, you can go ahead and have that rule, but well, you're not, you're not going to have uh, state funds for education, which is, I think, about $8,000 per student. Yeah, that would give, cert them, certainly give them pause for reflection. This segment, segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lula Bee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lullaby's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Dr. George Markovich. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grassroots organization. We focus on K-12 through education. Um, we spend a lot of energy uh, fighting the indoctrination. Uh, we've also had some uh, fairly significant successes in terms of, um, you know, almost two years ago now, we got rid of the Common Core standards, and, and we uh, just two weeks ago, uh, we were very involved in uh, what was a year-long effort to rewrite Florida's uh, civic standards, civics and government standards, and we uh, couldn't be more pleased. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, goflca.com is the website, goflca.com. And I must say, the Florida Citizens Alliance, under your leadership, along with Pastor Rick Stevens, has just done a magnificent job in gaining influence in Tallahassee, not only with the uh, Commissioner of Education, but also with the governor and the legislature, because they trust your judgment and uh, certainly look to you to uh, improve education in Florida. So congratulations on everything you've accomplished. Thank you. So, hey, I understand you're over in Palm Beach. What's going on? Actually, I'm in the middle of a three-day road trip. Uh, two days ago, I was up in uh, Vero Beach uh, presenting to a, uh, a grassroots group up there. Uh, they've expressed an interest in being more heavily involved in what we do and supporting us. Um, we uh, uh, last night I was here in West Palm, West Palm Beach. Uh, we have a group here that has decided they want to become, and we used to call them watchdog groups. Uh, 
um, you know, focusing on trying to engage the school boards. Uh, we're in the process of rebranding those to what we call Kids First Teams, which is really shifting the focus, not exclusively away from um, school boards, but more towards the community and helping the community understand what's going on in education and then offering, um, you know, community members, family members, uh, alternatives. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we're calling those kids first teams and there's a really exciting group here in Palm beach, uh, that we met with last night. That's uh, organizing themselves into one of our uh, new kids first teams. So, and then today, uh, I've got two events, one up in, uh, uh, St. Lucie County. Uh, we're doing a workshop there with, a another group uh, three different groups will come together to form a kids first team there and then uh, dominique is joining me tonight and we're presenting to uh, a 912 group up there so it's a busy three days yeah it certainly sounds like and i think it kind of reflects not only uh, the positive positive messages uh, that you're providing but also an, an increased interest of parents and what's going on in schools and uh, i think it's a it's a very healthy thing yeah for sure yeah so I understand there's an event coming up on August the 10th. Yeah, we're uh, we're working with a number of different groups locally in Collier and Lee County, and we have uh, it's actually called a Kids First uh, Education, Not Indoctrination, Back to School Rally, and we're actually doing those rallies in five different locations in uh, Collier and Lee County. Uh, I think you're mostly Collier. I don't know how much you reach into um, um, Lee County, but in Collier County. Uh, on the 10th at 7.30 a.m., while parents and folks are on their way to work and kids taking kids back to school, uh, we're going to be doing a rally at Pine Ridge and Airport, uh, j just a little bit away from uh, you know the high school that's there in the MLK uh, headquarters building. Mm -hmm. And the second location is going to be up at Immokalee Road in Collier Boulevard. And then we've got three different locations in uh, in Lee County. So... We're inviting people to come out. It'll only be a uh, an hour long, 7.30 to 8.30. Uh, bring some signs, you know, no indoctrination, get rid of critical race theory, whatever you feel like protesting, stop the masks, mandates, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we're just uh, trying to let kids know that we care about them, and uh, we're excited to uh, see them go back to school. And I'll... Uh uh, again, you, you, it sounds like a great event. So this is a, basically it's a, to simply let people know that you're involved, that you're uh, caring about kids' education. There's not going to be speakers or anything like that. No, it, it'll be rally. It'll be uh, you know bring a flag, uh, br bring a poster that you can hand make um, with a number of th those different themes I mentioned. Sure. And uh, we're just um, reaching out to the community. So. Yeah, did you uh, read about DeSantis' comments yesterday about telling President Biden to do his job and <laughs> take care of him? Or he doesn't want to hear a blip about <laughs> about. Uh, I heard about it secondhand. I I didn't uh, I didn't see it. We were at it actually last uh, Thursday. Uh, last Thursday, uh, we were um, very involved in in the uh, press conference he did up in call in uh, Cape Coral. Uh -huh. uh, when he announced his uh, executive order for against the, the mask mandate, so um, uh, I saw him then, but I, I, I heard secondhand about it yesterday. Yeah, he basically had told uh, Biden to take do his job and take care of the border, and he, until then he doesn't want to hear a blip about masks or school uh, uh, masking or uh, things like that in in uh, in Florida. Apparently, apparently uh, Biden was taking a jab at. Uh, at uh, DeSantis because uh, the the increase in the number of cases in Florida and uh, in yeah. hospitalization. So, 
Yeah. There was no pun intended when you said Biden was taking a jab. See, no. <laughs> no, there is. So any other good scoop, uh, uh, Keith? Pardon? Any other good scoop? Uh, yeah, we have a, 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 a an event that we're actually doing, kicking off uh, at the uh, Alamo upstairs on the 11th. Uh, you may remember, Bob, the last year uh, we kicked, we did a, a, a major fundraiser. It was called Liberty Challenge 2020. Uh-huh. And we had a goal of raising 100,000, and uh, we raised 113. And I'll remind your audience again: uh, none of our uh, senior leadership take a take a, a salary, and all of our travels on our own dime. Um, but uh, this year, uh, starting on the 10th, um, actually, uh, we're doing a a a uh, kickoff for our uh, 2021 uh, Liberty Challenge. Our goal is to raise 175,000 dollars. Uh, we already have um, 80 of that committed or checks in hand, so we're almost halfway there. <clears throat> and we have a, a foundation called the Wasi Foundation out of Minnesota that has given us an additional 25K25 challenge uh, grant. And what that means is if we raise 25,000 bucks in new donors, they will write us a check for an additional 25. So wow. We're well on our way. Uh, we have uh, the month of, of, you know, two months from the middle of August to the middle of October uh, to reach our goal. And so you'll probably be hearing more about that. Okay, so that's on the 11th at the Alamo upstairs. At what time does right. it start? Starts at um, 5 o'clock. We do request, uh, the space is limited up there. It's in the presidential lounge, so we do request an RSVP. Uh, I sent you a flyer uh, earlier this morning, so if... Uh, we're willing to post that on your your website. That'd be great. Well, and I'll certainly um, I'll certainly uh, support it during the uh, up until the eleventh when the event occurs as well. Keith Law again, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. GoFLCA.com is the website. GoFLCA.com. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Bob. Uh, you guys uh, and your listeners have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. Doing great work, and again, no compensation. Everything's out of his own pocket. He's doing great things for our kids here in Florida. Okay, coming up, Seat Motley, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples.
Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Uh, we ex- we exist to reduce the size, scope, sphere of influence of government, and infrastructure bills do not. No, they don't. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, both infrastructure bills are atrocious. Young uh, Republicans voting yay should be embarrassed. I think you, you just hit the nail on the head. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I came upon this. Chris Edwards from, I believe, the Cato Institute Yes, uh, did the math. Ninety-five percent of U.S. infrastructure is either privately owned or owned by state and local government, mm-hmm. which means the federal government's role in infrastructure is almost none. Right. Now, please keep that in mind when you pay your gas tax every time you fill up your car. That goes to the feds for five percent of the nation's infrastructure. And then they say they want to do more, and buried in this uh, infrastructure bill is... Uh, a, a, a study, you know, a paper study to look at per mile driven taxes, yes. um, which would be great for over the road, over long haul truckers. Um, so, as I said to the Washington or to the Epoch Times or Epic Times, um, nothing nothing says infrastructure like making it impossible to afford to drive on infrastructure. Right. Um, so anyway, the, the, even the, there's the small one and the big one. There's the $1.2 trillion bill, and that's only small in D.C. parlance. <laughs> and then there's a $3.5 trillion bill that the left wants. Now, there are several reasons why the Republicans that voted yes to advance this out of committee should be embarrassed. One of them is we already know that Speaker Pelosi in the House has said that she will not even bring that bill to the floor unless and until the Senate uses reconciliation, which cuts Republicans completely out of the process and only requires 50 Democrat votes, to pass the $3.5 trillion bill. So Pelosi won't do one without both. Mm-hmm. So if you're advancing one, you're, you're technically voting to advance both. Mm. Um, second of all, of course, is the contents of the bill, and that's abomination, too. Uh, there's only 110 billion in it out of 1.2 trillion for roads and bridges, and a lot of that is for social justice 
crap. Like, they're going to use the roads and bridges money to address how past roads and bridges were racist. Stuff like that. <laughs> so less than one-tenth of the bills, even for roads and bridges, and less than 100% of that is for roads and bridges. Um, they should be embarrassed about that. Um, third of all, of course, is all the other stuff they're spending money on. You know, electric cars, uh, windmills and solar panels. Uh, you know, well, what is that in an infrastructure bill for? It's not an infrastructure. Right. Um, and it's also terrible policy. It's bad energy, it's bad, it's bad for the environment, and, and it's very, very, very expensive. Um, and then, of course, they're doing the Democrats' version of broadband expansion, which is having municipal governments, local governments, county governments, state governments, yep. get into the broadband business and compete with the private sector. And they have, I believe, $65 billion in the bill for that. And, of course, we've already spent about $100 billion on local government broadband, and it's failed every time it's tried over two decades. Um, they're doing it wrong. They're doing it expensively. Um, they're, you know, you know it's, 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 it's decidedly unfair to have the person regulating you also competing against you. Um, right. uh, because ultimately, they, you know, it's like the um, baseball umpire also pitching for the other team. How's he going to call his own balls and strikes? Um, it's absurd, it's, it, it, and it's failed as, as an entity on its own. Um, we have 450 examples of it around the country <laughs> yeah. uh, since the inception of the Internet of, of local governments and state governments trying this and failing. So I don't know why, you know, and, and again, you, you know, it's, it's an amazing time in our his, in the in the history of humanity, never had we have we had easier access to all the information in the history of the world. Right, and yet the government schools have created hundreds of millions of people so incurious they won't use it. Yeah, you know what's interesting. Um, so all of this is readily available, and unfortunately, <clears throat> uh, seventeen at least seventeen of the incurious are Republicans in the Senate who voted for this stupid bill. Yeah, and, you know, if you just take a step back, this is, a, they, you know, you believe in less government, I believe in less government. They believe in big government. They want government to do everything. They want us to basically uh, turn our lives over to the government and let them make decisions. Uh, vis -vis, for example, the mask mandates and all the nonsense that they're, you know, got to take a jab and all that. So, Seton, uh, you know, we need... This is just an advancing our country towards communism. Well, and this is why, from the very beginning of my doing this, I've, 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 I've spent a lot of time pointing out, one, the fallibility of government. It fails all the time. Right. And two, why it fails all the time. You know, I, I, when I, st I, I was very fortunate. My grandmother taught me to read when I was three. So I started reading, and I started picking subjects to read. And I'd pick, you know, I picked religion, world religions, and then I'd pick, you know, political history, and 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 of course, what I quickly realized was everything. If you want to understand politics, study human beings. Yeah. If you want to, you know, it's human nature. If you want to study, understand religion, understand human nature. And the reason government doesn't work is because it's antithetical to human nature. My wallet rule before. Bob goes out on a Friday night with his wallet. Bob goes out the following Friday night with my wallet. 
which Friday night is Bob going to have more fun? We're going to have more fun on your wallet. Because <laughs> you don't care what it looks like at the end of the evening. You got so it. So the government's always on my wallet, on someone else's wallet, and the Friday night never ends. Steve so Motley again. never going to do anything or spend money anywhere close to as wisely or as well as the people who earned it do. That's exactly right. See, my and, and that's why, and the founding fathers understood this, yep. and that's why they created the government. Also, as we're seeing, they created a limited government because they knew they had, they had designs on the whole continent. They knew it was going to be a big, diverse country eventually, and now we're at the point of, if you have a federal government dictating so many things, how do you reconcile California and Texas? Yeah. How do you reconcile New York and Florida? Yeah. And the answer is you can't. They're supposed to be federalized so that Florida can do what Florida wants to do and New York can do what New York wants to do. One of my favorite lines is from Smokey and the Bandit, where Frog is asking, you know, she's from New York, the Bandit, about Elton John. Have you heard of Elton John? No. Have you heard of Stephen Sondheim? No. He said, have you heard of Peggy Lee? No. And he bends down, puts his brim of his hat on her forehead when you ask somebody something, it depends on what part of the country you're standing in as to just how dumb you are. <laughs> See, Rodney, again, and, the founder. That, that's re- brilliantly representative of the various parts of the country and why they should be ruled as locally as possible. Yeah, exactly. Seton Motley, again, founder and president of Less Government. LessGovernment.org is the website. Seton, always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. George Markovich. Dr. Markovich is an orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees in 2006. I have a very high regard for his skills as an orthopedic surgeon. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598 598- 598 
389-389-389 or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs, among other things, to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us our, my orthopedic surgeon, replaced both of my knees in 2006 and so gratefully did, Dr. George Markovich. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Good morning. Good morning to you. So uh, have you been following the Olympics? I have. Uh, you know, as, as much as I can. I don't usually watch TV very much, but uh, I always enjoy uh, watching gifted athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... Uh, being in sports medicine, having taken care of the SEALs in the years past, and having taken care of many teams uh, and athletes over the years, uh, I, I marvel at their ability to excel when uh, they need to. A yeah. uh, lot of training, a lot of hard work, a lot of team effort in terms of their uh, therapists, their clinicians, their coaches, and so forth. It seems like the more woke uh, the athlete was, the worse that they did. Yeah, uh, you know this this time around. Wasn't that? Isn't that just uh, refreshing? And I was so grateful to see that young uh, wrestler, the young woman who, uh, uh, in her, I think it was a lightweight wrestling uh, class. She was so proud and so happy. She was crying. She had the American flag draped around her. She was grateful to be an American citizen, grateful to her mom. So so humble and yet so talented. Just it was really inspiring. Absolutely, and she voiced it, what a lot of other people, you know, thought. Um, You know, this is a great country, and you're representing it. Uh, I I think that, uh, you know, when you make it uh, more than that, uh, you get distracted. Uh, You know, watching, for instance, the the female soccer team, uh, which is underrepresented by African Americans, you know, less than thirteen point five percent by far, yeah. uh, and yet, uh, you know, their ideals don't seem to be in line with, uh, you know, patriotic uh, conventional thought. Um, so, you know, I think uh, when people put too much pressure on themselves and and make it more than what it has to be, uh, you don't perform as well. Right. I think you have to have clarity of thought. You have to have good preparation. <clears throat> And you have to have fun and, and be enthused by doing the activity and believing in what it's for. Uh, this country uh, is an amazing place. Yes, and the freedom that we have has been hard fought. Uh, so <clears throat> I think that, uh, you know, watching the athletes that appreciate that and that can rise to the occasion was very inspiring and motivating for me. Yeah, that's, I appreciate that commentary. It's kind of interesting. It reminds me of the uh, quote from Mark Twain. He wants to find patriotism as supporting your country at all times and your government when it deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, you know, there are many people that think that <laughs> now is not the time to do that as, as well as you wish you could. Yeah. Uh, that being said, there has to be endpoints, you know, and, and, you know, there's always things that could be better uh, in everything. Uh, but, um, you know, the track and field athletes have clarity of thought. Many of them are religious. Uh, they, they, they train very hard. They're redlining, meaning they're just at the edge of, of you know, <laughs> human physiology. And when, when I see somebody like the Norwegian guy that won the triathlon uh, be able to use technology, imagine in the horrible heat, and he's from Norway, and he outruns uh, the best runner in the whole field uh, because of technology and preparation and training. Uh, in addition to all the marvelous American athletes that exhibited their skills and, and their abilities, uh, you know, you got to watch some of this stuff to really appreciate it. Yeah, no, just a remarkable human achievement. It's just how far they can extend their their physiology, their their ability to do things, just amazing. By the way, I didn't realize this, but during uh, the, reading the story about this young wrestler, apparently she said she's going to take her award of thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollars, give thirty thousand of it to her mother so she can buy a, a food truck and uh, start her own business. I didn't realize that the uh, athletes actually got a compensation or got an award for for their performances. I didn't realize it either. I, <clears throat> I wonder if it comes from the U- USOC or the uh, Olympic Committee. I, I honestly don't know how the economics work. I think that's wonderful. Uh-huh. I think the parents that support these athletes. Many of them have been uh, gifted for a long time, you yeah. know, and have been <laughs> nurtured and, uh, you know, uh, whether they were born in the right months, whether they attended the right schools, whether they had the right coaches, you know, these people are exemplary. They and are. they've been exemplary for a long time. Very few just happen to be, you know, uh, gifted later in their uh, development. Um, so uh, Malcolm Gladwell talked about that in his book Outliers, and right. I think that she appreciates the people that got her there. She appreciates this country, and she is really somebody that should be looked up to. Yeah, absolutely, as, as well as her mother and her, her family. You know, when you think about a child performing and doing a five-minute performance or uh, wrestling for 10 minutes in the Olympics, you think about all the hours of taking the child to 5 o'clock in the morning to wrestling practice or you know, soccer practice, whatever it might be, hours and hours and hours of family dedication to get that child to the point where they can perform like that. So it's not only the, it's not only the performance of the child, it's, it's the entire family. Indeed, and, and I think this Olympics, more than others, try to focus on that with some, you know, uh, uh, view of the family kind of watching the TV because there were no spectators, obviously, this yeah. year because of COVID. And, and so uh, one of the sprinters, I think Noah Lyles, uh, came in third. He was uh, favored to win. He, he lost to another American who won silver and a Canadian who won the gold. A Canadian sprinter won gold. And uh, he had six brothers and one sister that were cheering him on. And uh, the parents were there, and it was really heartwarming because yeah. you know that those siblings, uh, you know, gave up a lot in their development so that he can excel in this moment. Um, and 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 I'm sure they're exemplary people as well. You know, so the parents deserve a lot of credit. The families deserve a lot of credit. And 
the people that support them, uh, you know, employers and things like that, deserve a lot of credit as well. Absolutely. And so you mentioned uh, uh, COVID, so I'll, I'll bring it up. Uh, you know, we've got this new uh, uh, strain coming on and uh, yep. any comments at all or thoughts of I mean, it uh, to me it just is so strange it's coming when school starts <laughs> i just the, the the suspicious part of me just says hey is this politically motivated yeah so the delta variant <clears throat> seems to be more transmissible but but less uh uh you know uh, dangerous in terms of uh, uh mortality but yeah. it does have morbidity and and younger people uh, are getting affected by this, and the hospital systems are uh, having to address it, and it's taking resources. Uh, many of the hospitals in our area are, are understaffed right now. That, that's an issue. And <clears throat> I think that uh, right now our elective cases have been uh, postponed uh, as of next week for a few weeks wow. to allow the hospital to be able to meet the needs of the community. Um, so there are significant effects. We're keeping people out of the hospital. So outpatient surgery uh, for people that have been vaccinated and or are healthy and showing no symptoms, negative testing, and so forth, uh, we're carrying on. I have a full schedule today. Uh, and people go home. And people go home with joint replacements these days if they have a good support structure as well. So, you know, it hasn't changed things too much from what we do. However, it is something to keep an eye on, and it doesn't seem to want to go away in terms of the pandemic as of yet. Yeah. Dr. George Markovich, again, replaced both of my knees in 2006. I'm so grateful uh, for my mobility and the mobility I've gained as a result. So I just generally thank you, and I just want our listeners to know, uh, visit Dr. George Markovich. If you've got a sore joint of any sort, just go ahead and call 482-5399. The office number is 482-5399. Dr. Markovich, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. 
get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for, your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more, especially the new Performing Arts Center in downtown Naples. Visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, as always, actually I missed a week last week because we were traveling, but uh, I was lonely. I mean, you know, a week without Bob Harden is kind of like a week without sunshine. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> believe me, it's mutual. We all, I just genuinely appreciate you. So how was your trip? You made it up safely with the bulldog and the cats and the... Yeah, well, we lost one of our cats uh, two weeks ago, Aww. and uh, so we just had um, two travelers with us, the bulldog and, and our other cat, and they did great. Great. Um, they, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're very good travelers and, uh, no, no calamities. Traffic was not bad at all. Be a couple of slowdowns, but nothing, uh, nothing major. And, uh, um, uh, every, everything seemed to be, seemed to be good. Great. So Bill, we got the election coming. I think it's in February, if I'm not mistaken, Right. for a city council and, uh, I was just wondering if you've uh, had any ideas or thoughts about any of the candidates that you're aware of so far. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm certainly aware of, uh, in the county, I, I understand you talked about Michelle McLeod last week. Um, I'm certainly, um, you know, very familiar with her, and she's a good friend of, of ours. I uh, served with her on city council, and uh, I, think she'll be a, I think she'll be a great, great county commission candidate. Absolutely excellent. But, um, so, so she's running for uh, county commissioner. Yeah, she's running for for county commission. All right, but city, uh, uh, well, I, uh, Bill Oppenheimer um, is is a candidate, and uh, candidly, um, um, he he wouldn't be he wouldn't be my favorite. I can you since I'm always candid with you on the show. Um, right. Tell you a story about him real quick. He um, years ago, I didn't even know who he was, and uh, he files an ethics complaint with the state ethics committee against me. Okay, and uh, when I received it, I said, you know, what the heck is this? And <laughs> he felt that um, that as mayor, I shouldn't be allowed to pick a candidate or to vote for a candidate. Um, and he said the mayor's using his power to vote and get votes for this for this candidate that he's supporting, and uh, he should be, you know, held ethically uh, uh, liable for that. Well, they obviously threw it out. Uh, it was almost frivolous, but it didn't stay around very long. And um, he is a single-issue candidate from every every angle that I can possibly see. He is um, for the uh, uh, he's pushing Teresa Heitman for this. Not that she needs pushing uh, for the sanct- to be a sanctuary city. Um, he's basically in charge of the group that keeps showing up at council meetings uh, <coughs> on um, 
you know, on Wednesday mornings uh, campaigning that they should make it a sanctuary, make Naples a sanctuary city and the abortion, et cetera. And the thing is, Bob, I, I don't know if you're familiar or not, but um, it, it seems to be that, that the mayor says, you know, we we just don't want any of them in the city. Um, I, I don't know of anybody that's that's breaking walls down to perform abortions in the city of Naples. Uh, mm-hmm. And and I've certainly been around long enough to to have a pretty good feel for that. And the other thing that I would say to you is, do you know how far away the nearest Planned Parenthood is from the city limits? I don't. So it's I, I walk by there pretty much every day. They are about 50, I'm saying five zero steps away from the from the city limits. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all this going on, um, uh, again, I don't see it as a uh, as a pressing issue for sure. And government shouldn't be in that, Bob. I mean, I went through this years ago uh, when I was running one time for mayor and I uh, there was a, a very nice ladies group that invited me to, to speak. And the first question they asked me was, what's your position on abortion? And I, I didn't have to think. I mean, I just said, that's a personal issue. And it certainly doesn't have anything to do with city business. Um, we, we handle parks and recreation and zoning and uh, uh, everything to do with, with, with doing things for the citizens of, of the city. But this does not belong on a city ballot. And, and also, I believe this is a this comes to a constitutional issue anyway, if I'm not mistaken. But um, so that's that's my take. I, I as I say, I definitely will not be a fan of uh, Mr. Oppenheimer. I wish him well, but uh, that's about it. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, are there other candidates? Yeah, you got me fired up. Yeah. <laughs> are there other candidates you're aware of, Bill? I mean, uh, uh, I, well, I, other than you know, uh, Ray Ray Christman is going to run again. I'm sure Terry and Terry Hutchison is going to. Uh, run again we're waiting on gary price hopefully gary is going to file soon um and then there's uh, oppenheimer and i'm sure there might be one or two more who knows yeah you know in this in this climate bob you just you, you just don't know you know w- what you're getting so well, um uh with the political scene across the country as you well know uh so we talk about it enough um um it's 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 kind of a shootout so we'll just We'll just uh, we'll we'll see what happens as the months go by. Yeah, so uh, it would be great to see uh, a young, vibrant person uh, getting involved in the city council, running for office, uh, who's well spoken, out you know, uh, articulate, and quite frankly, in my opinion, conservative. It would be great to see. Well, the problem, you know, the 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 the, the problem with that, and I we've been preaching that for, uh, even on your show for a long time. Problem is the young professionals. Okay, they see what goes on down there. They don't have the time to sit for, for any of Heitman's thirteen or fourteen hour meetings, uh, <laughs> uh, stumbling around, um, and um, they they just you know that's a turnoff for them. They have families. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're working people, and uh, I've known quite a few of them that you know I've said, hey, you know what, you would be a great council person, um, and they they look at me and say, well. You know, I we we don't we can't do that, and as much as we'd like to. Um, the other thing is is uh, you know, council. When I was running for um, for for mayor this last time, they were all squawking about too much salary. You're making too much money, and council members as well. And they all pledged that they were going to do something about that. Hey, do you think that ever happened, Bob? Do you think anybody ever took cut in their salary after this last election? I don't think so. No, you so, got that right. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> Lots going on on a Bob Harden show today. <laughs> Absolutely. So, hey, I do want to ask you though. This is uh, you may recall that the Collier County. I'm not even sure about the, what what the city of Naples decided to do, but uh, these uh, marijuana uh, outlets. We, right. Not in right. Collier County. Uh, I actually right. got. Uh, I was hoping it could help with some pain that I had in my back, so I got a, one of those marijuana cards. Didn't help me at all, so I let it expire. But, uh, you know, I had to drive up to Lee County. It's not that far. But the point is, uh, again, to your point, it's, why, why not, if it's a legal business, why not let people do their business? Right, right. Um, uh, you know, I think they w- went through that in great length. And I think the city had designated an area in the medical um, part. I, I remember that our council had talked about it for, you know, kind of uh, ad nauseum about it. And I don't think. I don't think we ever did anything on that. Yeah. Um, again, there's enough of them. There's there's plenty of them around. I don't think anybody would have any you know uh, any problem getting it. Like you said with that card, I, I you know you either use it or you let it run out. So, um, and also real quick before you before I say goodbye to you, uh, did you see who won the Citizen of the Year award? No, I didn't. Who did? Cam Patton. Pamela Patton. That's right. I saw that in the in the in the news and this morning. I, that's, I, and I think you know whether you're a fan or not. I think she's a great lady and deserved and deserved that reward. Boy, she takes she does take some abuse. I'll tell you what. But um, uh, we 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 think that they made a good choice. That's all. All right. So, well, there you go. That's it, huh? Bill, Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples, arguably the finest mayor that we've ever had in the history of Naples. Bill, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, have a great one, okay? And take care of yourself. You bye as well. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, tomorrow, we've got great guests. William Yateman is the research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll look forward to visiting with William about the ongoing saga of the infrastructure bill. Michael Cannon is the, is the director of health studies at the Cato Institute, and we're talking about COVID and uh, the Delta Strain. We'll also visit with Brad Palumbo. He is with the uh, Foundation for Economic Education. And my hope is, I haven't heard back on uh, whether Rick Scott will be joining us tomorrow morning. I I suppose what's hanging in the balance is whether they have to take any votes in the morning, and uh, I'll probably find out later today. But hopefully, uh, Rick Scott will be joining us as well. Always appreciate hearing from you. If you have a comment, you can send me at uh, bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.